Staubach, double fake, drops back and throws down to the middle, steps it, picks off a Wagner, he's coming over the 15 to 10, he's down to the six-yard line. Mike Wagner intercepted at the 24, and he brought it down to the six-yard. Holy smokes, the defense has set it again. They have turned it around completely. Well, we talk so much about the Hall of Fame players from the Steelers of the 1970s. Mel Blunt, Jack Cam, Jack Lambert, Joe Green. We sometimes forget about some of the other great defensive players. We had Donnie Schell on a couple of weeks ago. By the way, we're scheduled to talk to Mel Blunt tomorrow about the Steelers Hall of Honor. But not everybody is a Hall of Fame player. Some guys are just outstanding players. That doesn't mean that they weren't significant in the Steelers' successes. And our Hall of Honor candidates today, first one we'll discuss, is just such a guy. Mike Wagner was glue. Mike Wagner was playing with Donnie Schell alongside. A lot of people think he should be in the Hall of Fame in Canton. Definitely in the Hall of Honor. And, of course, the great Mel Blunt. But Mike Wagner was the glue. He was the free safety. He was the center fielder. And he could get his hands on footballs. He was always in the area. And you know what? For those days, even now, actually, Mike was a pretty good-sized guy, 6'1". And it's amazing. He was an 11th-round pick in the 71 draft out of Western Illinois. How'd they find him? And he went on to play 10 years in the NFL. 71 through 1980, he made the Pro Bowl twice. Wasn't like he went unrecognized. But it was difficult to get recognized when you are a star, but sometimes you're outshone by some of the brightest stars in the galaxy at that time. It's easy to forget a guy like Mike Wagner. Unless, of course, you saw him play. Now, some would say, well, yeah, he benefited from playing with other great players. No doubt. Playing with a great, one of the all-time great, if not the best corner who ever played, Mel Blunt, Donnie Schell. And the corners on the other side weren't too shabby either. Let's not forget them. J.T. Thomas. Ron Johnson, among others. And certainly, anybody would benefit from playing with the kind of linebackers they had and the kind of pass rush that the Steel Curtain, with various different members, could generate. Better your pass rush, your chance for picking balls off, that much better. Nineteen seventy-three, Mike Wagner 
had eight interceptions. I'm going to take a stab here and say that the Steelers secondary this past season combined did not have eight interceptions. I don't think they did. Take all just the just the secondary personnel. I, I don't know if they had eight interceptions. But Mike could come up and tackle. He got his hands on pass. You know, when I think of a free safety, it's not only the interceptions, they're important, but how often does he get his hands on the football? Tipping it away, knocking it away, knocking it down, whatever it happens to be. And that means you have to have range. And he had that. Is there such a thing as deceptively fast? He was fast enough. I should also mention that in the playoffs, where that team in particular excelled, He had five interceptions. So when it mattered most, he was right there. He was a first-team all-pro selection in 1973 by Pro Football Weekly. Then again in 76 with a great defense they had there. First team, all-conference, sporting news. Mike Wagner and guys like him should not be forgotten. And as I've said to me many times, and this is one thing that we talk about on the Hall of Honor Selection Committee, that anybody who's nominated, is deserving. That's not the issue. It's an attempt to prioritize. Sometimes by age, sometimes we don't want to forget the great players of the 50s and 60s. That's why Buddy Dial went in last year. There are some other guys, got like L.B. Nickel, people like that. But there is no question that Mike Wagner, just not not only because he was part of a four-time championship team, but because he was an important part. He, he wasn't along for the ride. Maybe this is a poor analogy, but you know, oftentimes in hockey we talk about, well, how many goals has he scored? Well, not everybody has to be Sidney Crosby to have a good team. Someone's got to get in on the forecheck, and someone's got to block shots. But the Crosby doesn't do that, too. But my point is, you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player to be importance, be of importance to the team. 
So Mike Wagner is a legitimate candidate for the Steelers Hall of Honor. Now, in the past couple of years, two years of the Steelers Hall of Honor, we've inducted some people who were not players, were not coaches. And we're talking about front office personnel. Last year in particular, Art Rooney, the uh, junior, who was in charge of building the 70 Steelers, that 74 draft, which will never be paralleled, and the great Bill Nunn, who not only changed the Steelers, he changed the landscape of the entire NFL, scouting traditionally all black colleges and bringing guys in from places like South Carolina State and Southern University, Texas Southern, and Alabama AM&N, and Arkansas AM&N. And yeah, even a white guy like Mike Wagner from Western Illinois in the 11th round. But one of the most popular candidates for the Hall of Honor this time around is a guy who was in the right place the right time, but more importantly, knew what to do with it. Myron Cope said to me long ago, admitted that he was in the right place the right time. He started doing a radio talk show and started doing color commentary on the Steelers broadcast with Jack Fleming. At the same time, the Steelers got good, 1972. You know, along that same line, he once said to both me and Guy Junker, he said, you guys are like I was. He said, you started doing Hockey Hotline when the Penguins started winning Stanley Cups, which is true, and Sportsbeat. It coincided with the Penguins, and that was a big reason for Sportsbeat staying on the air and thankfully becoming as popular as it became. But Myron knew what to do. He had a great streak of showmanship in him. People don't know or have forgotten or just weren't born when Myron was one of the most nationally recognized and renowned writers for national magazines like Life Magazine, Sports Illustrated, and the Saturday Evening Post. Those weekly magazines were big deals back then, and Myron was a featured writer. Of course, he worked for the Post-Gazette. So he had a tremendous reputation before he started doing commentary at what was then WTAE Radio 1250. But he had a great sense of showmanship. And the voice... The Pittsburgh accent, it fits per it fit perfectly. And as much as Myron valued 
being considered a journalist, which he was, You knew exactly on Sundays who he was rooting for, or even Monday through Friday when he did his talk show. And I wasn't here at the beginning of that in 1972. I got here in 1976. But as starved as the town was for a winner, something that could lift them out of the economic doldrums that the region was in. The Steelers were it. And Myron Cope led the charge. And it wasn't so much for his work on the broadcast themselves. We discussed this last week about announcers. People are going to tune the game. They're going to want to watch the game. And back in those days, not every game was on TV, but there was significant evidence based on the ratings that an awful lot of people turned the sound down on TV and listened to Jack Fleming and Myron Cope. But it wasn't so much for what he did on the broadcasts. It's that Steelers Nation, before it was even called Steelers Nation, Needed a leader. And he was it. He encouraged the Jarellos Gorillas and the Franco's Italian Army and all that stuff that was ancillary to the success of the team, but was more than ancillary in the success and wild popularity of the franchise. Now, any franchise that wins four championships in six years is going to be wildly popular. But there was an extra level to the Steelers. Because of the brand of football they played, it fit the fabric of our community perfectly. And people were so joyous about winning that the extra stuff that Myron Cope provided was frosting on the cake. And we devoured it. The terrible towel, of course. The Christmas carols. I wonder how many franchises in any sport in the country that have a Hall of Fame or Ring of Honor, whatever they call it, would have one of their announcers in it. I know that the correspondence I get about the Steelers Hall of Honor, will you consider Myron? Is Myron going to get in? I, I, I'm i sure he will. I don't know if it will be this year, but I can say that even nobody would second-guess the choice. Let's put it that way. All right, tomorrow we do this every Tuesday, talking about Hall of Honor candidates. And then we follow that up with an interview with a current member of the Hall of Honor. Two weeks ago, we talked to Donnie Schell. Last week, Franco. Tomorrow, Mel Blunt.